You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 342. I am Tim Robertson. Hello, I'm David Cullen. <laughs> so I think we're going to have a little bit of a shorter show this week, David. Um, I, I've just been busy. You've been busy. We've, been, we've right, all busy. been busy. Yep. Can only do so many things in one week. And honestly, there's not a whole lot of notable things. I mean... Right now, everyone's talking about this driverless Uber car that ran someone over that was jaywalking in the middle of the night. Um, which well, is, yeah. I mean, I, the, the problem is you hear the story and you think, people. But then you watch the video and you kind of think, the car really should have seen her. Even though she did walk out in front of it, the car really should have seen her. I don't know. I've watched the video and it was pretty freaking dark. You don't see that person until they're right there in front of the no, car. But those sensors the car uses don't care whether it's dark or not. They'd be pretty shite otherwise, wouldn't they? Um, they they're meant to be able to to see you no matter what the weather, what the light is. Their radar and lidar and things like that. Um, the, and and the problem is she it even though she was jaywalking, she walked across at least a lane of empty road before she managed to get in front of the car. Yep. Um, so put it this way, if the person in the car who wasn't looking at the time, which is a, a separate problem. Right, he was playing with his phone. Yeah. But if the person, if, the, if a real person be driving that car, they would have seen the woman walk out and they would have braked if they hadn't stopped completely and she wouldn't have got hit. Right. And bearing in mind that a driverless car is meant to be better than a human, um, it doesn't look good. It doesn't. But by the same token, everyone's blaming the car. It's like this lady literally walked in front of a car. Yeah. No, she has she has responsibility. I completely and utterly accept that. But also, um, unfortunately, if you want to have driverless cars, they've got to be able to cope with people being stupid. Because yeah. guess what? People are stupid. And that's kind of yeah. the whole point. People are stupid, and that's why they have those technologies. Yeah, but the, the cars need to be able to cope with stupid pedestrians because otherwise a lot of people are going to get run over. Like they and, do every day, anyways. Uh, well, they do, yeah. But the whole point is to try and make things better. So the cars need to be able to deal with um, stupid pedestrians. And certainly, uh, it, I think, had it been a crowded street and the street was really busy and there was people cutting across and everything, I think everybody would have given Uber a pass. But it was the middle of the night. <laughs> there was nobody else around. Uh, the The safety driver wasn't doing her job. Yes. And uh, I think, oh, here's her, whoever it is. Um, the safety driver person was not doing their job. And the uh, the woman concerned, yes, she acted badly, but she should not have been run over by that automated car, in my view, anyway. Uh, yeah, well, what's the term I'm looking for? Um, can't think of it. Nope. Anyways. Um, Sad for the, her family. Yeah. Oh, well, obviously, yes. I mean, it, as and I said. And, of course, they're going to sue Uber. Of course they are. Even though uh, their this, daughter this is, literally walked in front of a moving car with her bike. Yeah. I, I, I Don't get me wrong. I'm not excusing what the lady did. It's perfectly clear that, <laughs> by the same token, in the dark with the car with lights on, yeah, there's no way she should have not seen that car coming and shouldn't have walked out in front of it. Even once she'd entered the road, she should have realized that that car was coming right on. She basically walks in front like she doesn't even know it's there. Yep. So um, I presume it wasn't an electric car, so it had a motor. And I presume she's not blind. Well, you would you would hope so. I wonder if she had headphones in and just wasn't paying attention. Anyway, this is, it is a sad thing, but I, I think there's fault on all sides here, and everyone has to take their share of responsibility. Well, I think um, that, this is this is publicity Uber does not need. Well, yeah, they do because they deserve all the bad publicity. Well, yeah, yeah, what I'm saying is, from their perspective, they'll be thinking sure. this is publicity we did not need. I feel bad for the Uber drivers out there because you know those are good people. I've been in many Ubers. I've never had a bad experience. Every Uber driver I've ever had have been really nice. I mean, really have so much better than taxi rides that I've had. Mm -hmm. And 
it's just so it's it's too bad for them that to do this job they have to work for a completely criminal cartel yeah i i suppose from the uh, the regular taxi driver's perspective this is a good thing because this will push back further the uh, the arrival of automated cars which are going to put them out of a job yeah well you know what the the technology is not there and as much as there seems to be this focus on driverless cars here's what a lot of people seem to overlook humans love to drive we do we like driving cars yeah. I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. No, it's not. But it, 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 look, you look at the companies who are doing this, right? They are companies who want to remove the human from the loop to save themselves some money. They're not trying to change the world because it's going to make the world a better place. They're trying to change the world so their profit margin gets better. Yeah. Yep, yeah. You're right. You know. So let's talk so, about the uh, – we've got a couple subjects, but I'm we're going to kick right off of the show with a subject we pushed back on in two weeks. Mm-hmm. And I think this is an important one from two different angles, from someone who creates content. Now, our content for the customer is free. And I've made free content for readers and listeners since 1995. So I get you know, owning a business, producing content, but these are companies producing content, i.e. a product, selling it on the biggest I believe Amazon is the biggest marketplace in the world. Now, the Chinese thing might be bigger, but I'm not sure. I think Amazon's it's, it's bigger. It's a very, very big platform, yeah. whichever, however big it actually yep. is. And yet, Amazon, by the very actions of this story, is in, encouraging knockoffs and counterfeit. And more than encouraging it, they're promoting it. So... Initially, this came to my attention at 9 to 5 Mac. It was posted on March, or March 3rd. And Amazon Flaw costs Apple accessory maker nearly $100,000 as counterfeits or a counterfeiter takes over legitimate listing. So while this is this one story is important, it's an epidemic at this point with Amazon. Yeah. So you'll get a, a manufacturer somewhere in the world that makes a cool product. They release it up on Amazon, where most of their sales are going to come from. And within weeks, there's a cheap, and when I say cheap, I don't mean inexpensive, although that is the case here, um, a lower quality product that looks exactly like it. The box looks exactly like it, so it's a bad Photoshop copy of it. Um, and it's cheaper. And Amazon promotes it on the page listing of the, of the actual product. Yeah. It, it's. I, I don't understand how Amazon's getting away with this without getting their pantsuit off of them. Well, I think the problem is a lot of the companies who trade on Amazon are too small to be able to sue Amazon. You know, the uh, there's an old adage that the the one with the most expensive pockets is always going to win a law with the deepest pockets is always going to win a lawsuit. Um, if you go and sue Amazon over this, first of all, they'll throw a whole load of policy at you and then they'll they'll defend themselves in court and they'll have big expensive lawyers and you won't be able to afford to uh, to sue them the the problem is big the bigger companies who are getting um affected by counterfeit they just basically swallow it as part of the business mm-hmm. you know um they, they, this is a fundamental problem with Amazon adopts the same kind of business model many online companies do which is we're a platform we don't police content yeah, that's what everybody has try- been trying to do right from the beginning because fundamentally it's cheaper and easier for them that way. Yep. So they've built a sales platform. They have policies and procedures, but ultimately their platform allows anybody to submit their product and say, yeah, my product is one of these and tick a box for whatever the widget is or a printer or a computer, something like that. Yeah, and provided you ship something that to Amazon looks like it is the product, and these counterfeiters are very clever. They copy all the packaging. They copy the, the product itself and everything. And you have to do, as the consumer has to do, a kind of a deep-level inspection to determine whether you've got a fake or not. Then Amazon goes, oh, well, sorry, we didn't know. They'll happily re- refund the consumer's money, but they, they're much more interested in uh, keeping the consumers happy than they are the, keeping the people who, who support the platform by selling through it. Um, so... Those people, unfortunately, are stuck in the middle. 
and yeah, guy, he's lost a hundred thousand dollars worth of sales from a counterfeiter for his. You know, there's an awful lot of this with these Kickstarter-style widget things. Yep. Um, I remember famously last year there was a thing called the Fidget Cube that was um, have very heavily promoted on Kickstarter. Got a lot of money, um, and you know it was a it was an executive toy. It was basically a little cube with little things you could fiddle with on either side. Before they even got the product to market, the Chinese were churning out copies and selling them at, at a third of the price on Amazon. Um, and and the difficulty is Amazon systems are such that you can order something that looks like it is legitimate from the company concerned, and a- uh, Amazon will fill it with an order from somebody who's claimed to be selling that product, and in fact they've they've substituted it with their cheaper copy clone. So from this- a consumer standpoint, I think the fear is very innovative companies are going to stop innovating because. The only place to really sell it and, and to reach critical mass is going to be Amazon or Walmart, and Walmart does the same things. Don't yeah. they're they're not even a fifth the size, but on online they're lying about how big they are. I, there was another whole yeah. story about that, but you, you get your product out there, and the Chinese ripoff artists or the you know they come out with the same thing, and there's just no accountability on Amazon's part. They go, nah, whatever. And so what's going to happen yeah. is less and less companies are going to start manufacturing something that's going to be easily copied. And thus, from a consumer standpoint, we don't have access to these cool things anymore because Amazon simply doesn't care. They don't yeah. care. They don't care about the consumer you know and they don't care about the manufacturer. Now, eBay went through this a few years ago. eBay was the first place where this Chinese copy stuff started the flood. And it's still a problem on eBay. But actually, to be fair to eBay, I think they've really cracked down on that. It's now much harder on eBay to, to pass off um, counterfeit goods as real. Yep. Um, and it's, it's, in my experience now, it's much easier to spot that than it used to be. The difficulty is, and Amazon has made no effort on that part whatsoever. None. That's the thing. They've, they've yeah. done absolute. It's not like, well, this is an ongoing problem and Amazon's constantly playing whack-a-mole. No, they're not. They're not doing that at all. The only time they play whack-a-mole is if the original manufacturer says to them, hey, this, this, and this are knockoff products. They're stealing our idea. Oh, well, we'll turn them off. And then what happens? The Chinese knockoff companies slightly change the name and uploads exactly the same pictures, skew everything within hours. Yeah, under a new account. Yep, and Amazon just goes, eh, okay. Yeah, they yeah they, they they the level of validation they do is is a joke. Virtually non-existent. It, it is non-existent. Yeah. Completely yeah. non-existent. And 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 the the difficulty is Amazon's business model is all about getting products as efficiently as quickly as possible from seller to consumer. Right. And they, they take their cut in the middle. So they're not incentivized to deal with this problem because they don't care. They they sell so much in volume that even if. Ninety percent of the people who re- receive the fakes return them and get a refund. Um, Amazon's still making coin, so th- so they don't care. This is this is the issue, and this is becoming an ongoing problem. We've seen this in the last couple of weeks with this big Facebook scandal as well. Is that governments and politicians are really starting to wake up now to the point that. You know, all of these Silicon Valley companies, uh, um, a lot of them are trading in a way that just is is just really bad practice, and they're realizing they're going to have to step in and regulate to try and deal with them. Well, it's not only bad practice, it's illegal. If you're doing the same thing in a brick-and-mortar store, the brick-and-mortar store would get in trouble for selling counterfeit merchandise. We, 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 we've seemed to have ended up in this position where if a company says they have a policy – they seem to think well, that's as good as complying right. with the law. And it's not. Yeah? And it's not because a policy is not a law. A policy is a perfectly private uh, internal rule that a company can set. They change it at any time. They, they don't have to be accountable to them. They don't have to publish them. They don't have to make them well available. Uh, and, it, and it becomes like this, um, this grab all shields to try and protect them from litigation when they're not complying with the law. Yeah. Uh, but there's a wider problem here because, you know, as, as bad as Amazon's actions are in this case, uh, I actually think there is a, a, a legal problem here, which as generally the West are quite happy to take trade from China, despite the fact that China, that China uh, goes out of its way to avoid copyright law and protection yeah. law and 
legal law and and health and safety and anything like that in the terms of the stuff it peddles to the West. Yep. Yeah, and and we just and our countries and our governments just sit back and they let it happen. They're quite happy to start talking, you know, rattling the saber over steel and wood and you know, kind of these big bulky things. And I thought we're going to tariff, we're going to have a trade war, we're going to have that. In the meantime, with the, the Chinese are shipping cheap knockoff rubbish. In some respects, uh, in some instances, legitimately dangerous product that wouldn't be allowed to be sold within our own countries if we manufactured here. And we just go, oh, yeah, send over a few more containers. We'll put it in the stores. Yeah, you the, know, the bigger problem the is dollar completely stores ignored. And the discount stores and Amazon discounting everything, they're all desperate for products. Yep. Yeah, I don't see how this is going to be resolved anytime soon without, quite honestly, uh, intervention by governments. That's yep. the only way it's going to happen. And, look, we, you and I love Amazon as far as what we get out of it. But I'm very selective on what I buy on Amazon. Um, I'm pretty good at not spotting the, the knockoff stuff. It's To me, it's kind of obvious, but to the average user, I don't think it is. now. And that's only because you and I have a tech background, and this kind of falls under that category. We're very savvy consumers of online stuff. We just talk. Yeah. Uh, but we've been doing it for a decade longer than the average person out there as well. So we're good at spotting these knockoffs, kind of laughing at, oh my God, look how bad this knockoff is. It's clearly a fake. And yet it's still listed on Amazon. They still sell it and people still buy it. And and don't get me wrong. I'm going to hold up my hand and admit to a certain amount of hypocrisy here. I've bought stuff that I know is knockoff on Amazon when it suits me. I've bought um, copies of, of Apple watch straps, for instance, and I've well, known that they are they are well, but see, we knockoffs. don't pers- we, we know that they're knockoffs. Yes, because they're yeah, not advertised as the real thing. That's right. Yes, but nevertheless, that's a that's a second that's a second point of um, of problem when it comes to counterfeiting. And to be honest with you, you can't deal with one without the other. But see, I don't um, look at those as counterfeits or knockoffs well, as much they, well, as. They, Hey. They're a different. They're a different type of counterfeit. Right. They are. They are not passing themselves off as the real thing, and and passing themselves off at the real price. But nevertheless, they are preventing the real thing from getting a sale from me because I'm buying the cheaper version. So they are, they are a different side of a different facet of the same. Yeah, problem. I agree with you. You're right. Yeah, and, because and I you like know buying cheap knockoff Apple band watches because they work just as well as uh, the one that costs five times as much. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but that's, I'm going to, I, for any of our listeners who are thinking, oh, Dave is a hypocritical idiot here. So I'm going to hold up my hand and own that. I have done that. And I'm now saying that, you know, in like this conversation, I believe I shouldn't have done that. It's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. You're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Funny that you agree with me on that one. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, I was talking about uh, last week, Mac stock coming up, mm-hmm. and we're changing up the game show format. Mm-hmm. So, la- did I even mention who was going to be the guest on stage yet? You privately mentioned it to me. Yeah. So, we've got, I'm going to confirm two right now. Uh, Bob Levitas, who is doing the keynote at this year's Mac stock, is going to be one of our guests on stage. Um, so uh, he's going to be fantastic. I mean, if no one has ever, if, if, if someone listening to this hasn't seen Bob Levitas on a stage before you're in for a treat, he is fantastic. He's fun, um, engaging. And I think he's going to be able to convince people when he's on that stage, he's telling the truth even when he's not. Yep. So he's going to be really good. And the other one I can confirm, by the way, the, the third one that you know about, yeah. Uh, he's tentative, and he should give me a firm yes or no this week. Uh, but the other one I can confirm right now is Barry Falk. Barry is um, nope. does the Mac barbecue, the, the kind of the after-hour stuff for uh, Mac stock. And he's a great guy, very energetic. Um, I quite When I say great guy, he's a hell of a guy. I really like he Barry is. a lot. Yeah. He's one of the nicest guys you will ever meet. Yep. Completely genuine. Uh, completely generous of his time uh, and his effort and everything like that. He is, I mean, he's, I, I, 
I don't think that um, that Max Sock would ex- would exist without his. Oh, absolutely! Support. It would not. Yeah. It would not exist. He 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 allows Mike to take you know what would be a good conference and turn it into a great conference. Yep. Um, and I, the other thing as well, he is the most diehard Apple fan you will ever meet. Yes. I mean, he loves Apple, uh, and he's got a lot of great stories as mm-hmm. well. So I think he's going to make uh, a guest on the stage fantastic. So, of course, yeah. it's going to be me on the stage with four guests, uh, two of which are now announced. Geyser will be in the audience, and those guests are going to try to convince the contestants that they're telling the truth. And the contestant has to decide, are they telling the truth or are they, in fact, lying of whatever the question and answer may be? And I haven't even started the questions yet, so (laughs) (laughs) i got to do that. So, um, you know, fourth guest, the the tentative one, going to be um, former president, yeah? Barack Obama. That's right. Well, and and then David Letterman is the third one. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. No, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a good time. Um, I we want to take this moment as well to thank our sponsor for this episode, which is MacSales.com. You know, we've talked about hard drives and and the adapters and all that quite a bit, but what we haven't talked about in quite a while, David, and this is probably one of the most important upgrades that you can do for your computer is RAM. If that's for me, I'm not here. It's. Um Somebody I don't want to speak to. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. So putting more memory into your computer is really important. For those who like this technology discussions that David and I have on a weekly basis, but you've never really delved deep into how your computer works. And this is, I think it got better for a while with a lot of users, and I think it's going the opposite direction now. They don't understand how and what of their computer. So they yeah. hear hard drive, they hear, you know, memory, uh, Ram, it all kind of starts blending. They don't quite understand it. I, I've, I know a lot of people I've spoken to over the years who, who really don't understand the difference between hard, hard drive space and, and, and memory, you know, working memory. They, as far as they can say, it's all memory. Right. And so I yeah. like to try to explain it is in the most basic ways possible. So the three main components that, as a computer user, you should know about is the processor. That's the brains of the unit. Of the unit. That's where everything actually happens. The hard drive is the permanent storage. When things are not in use, but you want the processor to have access to, you put it on the hard drive or the HD. That's how a lot of people. Now, the HD has to take that information and give it to the hard drive, right? Well, the speed of that hard drive is glacially slow (laughs) compared to the processor. So the processor doesn't want to access it there. It wants to access it in memory. Memory is very, very fast. So the hard drive takes its stuff, sticks it into memory. And when I say it's stuff, I'm talking about the operating system. Every single thing you do is coming from the memory of that hard of that computer. So the processor can access it very quickly. So when you don't have a lot of memory, it has to swap information from the memory back to the hard drive, back to the memory, back to the a lot. And that's why you get a slow computer. So if your computer is slow and you've got a minimum amount of RAM in your hard drive memory, RAM is memory, random access memory, adding more memory to your computer is going to greatly speed things up. Back in the day, it would also make it a lot more stable. It's one of the best things you could do to your computer is to upgrade the RAM. And our sponsor, OWC, MacSales.com, has RAM going all the way back to the G4 computers. I mean, yeah, that it's cra- well, actually, they go even farther back than that, David. Let's say you've got an old 6100 Power Mac. They've got memory upgrades for those machines. I mean, so this isn't a company that just supports the latest and greatest that's out there. We're we're talking well, thirty years ago on some of this stuff. Yeah, and and of course, let's let's also recognize here that many of the most modern computers will not let you upgrade the memory; they're sealed up, and the stuff is soldered in. So the advantage you get with going to uh, Mac sales is that they will 
they will help you. You can tell them exactly what machine you have. The website is all configured up, and they will tell you what's available for your machine. And yep, there is anything. Whether you can upgrade the memory, and if if you can upgrade the memory, then they'll also provide instructions and videos on how to do it. So we want to thank our sponsor, MacSales.com, for sponsoring this episode of TechFan. Make sure you go to either MyMac.com or TechFanPodcast.com and follow the link over to their website. Um, we got a couple more things, and we've got our wiki trolling coming up, which I know you're looking forward to. I picked a good one, you said. Yeah. But let's start with uh, two stories that the first one is kind of sad. So this, both the next stories were from The Verge, by the way. IBM reportedly targeted older workers. And what do I mean by that? They're letting the older workers go and hiring younger workers for less money or simply outsourcing those jobs to other countries. Yeah. You know, you work for a company for 19, 20 years. Usually it's 19 so they can get away with paying you a whole lot less and severance and, and benefit packages and retirement and all that. Um, and they use dirty tricks to get rid of these people. And I think it's about time that a report like this comes out because, well, I don't, I don't want to support a company that does this to their workers. Now I'm not really a big supporter of IBM to begin with. I can't think of one thing in my house that is, I bought directly because it was IBM. And we just talked about IBM last week with the PC junior and our wiki trolling thing. That's a different IBM than we're dealing with today. They don't make computers like that anymore. They're no, all about they're cloud a big, and a big enterprise services company right. now. Yeah. Um, look, I for a start, one of the reasons they get a, they can feel they can get away with this is that the labor laws in the U.S. are very weak compared to a lot of other parts of the, of the world. Yep. That what they're doing here would not be permitted in the U.K. Yeah, our legislation is much tighter. They would not even try it here because they would immediately get hit, not by a lawsuit from um, from the employees who are concerned, but they would get – there were two or three agencies and probably the government itself would sue them over this uh, and prevent them from doing it. So they would never even do it. The problem is in the, in the U.S., labor laws generally are, are weaker yep. uh, and they can get away with it. And they have been getting away with it. This is not a new policy. They've been doing it for a while. They've been doing it uh, for quite a while. That's how this report came to be. They, you know, this this company. Uh, what was it? It was. Um, oh, I just lost my notes. Where did my notes go, David? I don't know. They went here somewhere. Oh, they're there. Uh, ProPublica and Mother Jones mm-hmm. are the two companies that kind of got together into this report. Um, and I didn't read all the report. I kind of skimmed it a little bit, but it's disturbingly familiar. Uh, employees that have been there for a long time, all of a sudden the reviews got a lot more difficult, a lot more critical of the way they did their jobs. Yeah. And of course they did that so they can kind of push them out the door. And yeah. that's where, how do you, how do you disprove that? How do you say, no, 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 that's, that's not accurate. That's not. It's not how it really yeah. is. Yeah, unfortunately, the, 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 we've just been reviewing our, our employment contracts here where I work. Um, and we've been, you know, I've been involved in that process. Uh, and there are some aspects of your contract in terms of employment that ultimately, if a company wants to be nefarious, they can try and do it. And then if you disagree with it, in Britain, certainly we can go to an employment tribunal, which will look at the facts of a dismissal and decide whether it was what we call constructive dismissal, which means the, the company maneuvered things so they could try and justify getting rid of you. Right. Um, you know, if you don't have those protections, then it really is really tough. The, the difficulty on, and what makes me feel really bad about this report is that in, in the environment you have in the States, I don't see this changing. You know, money and, and corporate culture and lobbying is king. And, I don't see anybody in in today's environment who's who's interested who will be interested in passing legislation to to strengthen the protections, you know. And and going back to what I said before about the the one with the deepest pockets wins a lawsuit. IBM can lawyer up up to the wazoo and try and defend any um, any allegations that are made against this made about this against them, uh, and 
you know, they'll, they'll probably prevail or get a slap on the wrist. In the meantime, these poor guys and gals are still going to be out of jobs, having work, worked for the company for many, many years. It's disgusting. It's very, yeah, it's disgusting, particularly as, you know, if you've worked at one company for 20, 25 years, and then all of a sudden you, you're put out on the street, it's, it's, very, it's very difficult to get an equivalent job that pays that the same way. Yeah, you can get a, a job in a, in a Walmart greeting people, or stacking shelves or something like that to be, but to get an equivalent, uh, well-paying sales job or something like that's going to be very, very hard. You know, and it's the big companies that do stuff like this. It's generally not the smaller companies. I think the smaller companies recognize the virtue of having a seasoned sales force or workforce or engineers. They've got the experience. Yeah, they cost more, but you can rely on them. Yeah. They're going to get the job done. Is Whereas you're paying, a young guy, you're paying, yeah, you're paying these people for their experience and judgment as much as the actual work they do. Exactly, and that seems to be going to the wayside with companies like IBM. They just don't care about that anymore. No. Um, no. Last story before we get to our wiki trolling. Best Buy won't sell. You said it. I don't know. I, I can't. Huawei. Huawei phones. Not Huawei, just phones. They are Huawei. So this is a company that, by all accounts, are making some pretty nice electronics. They make you know, phones, TVs, electron. They're a big electronic maker in China. But the problem is, part ownership of this company is the Chinese government. And so there's been reports for a number of years now that they actually put monitoring software in their devices. Um. What's the word I'm looking for? Backdoors, if you will. Yeah. Now, I have never seen definitive proof of this, but these stories about this company and their products have been like this for a while. And at this point, the, the American government's even suggesting these products not be sold in the United States, which is pretty damning. And, yep. you know, I, I remember watching a keynote uh, from Hawaii, we, Ho, Huawei, whatever, Hui's Hawaii, I don't know. Um, their CEO at E3, or not E3, uh, CES. I think it was CES, wherever it was. He was up, and he just started off the cuff, and you knew it wasn't planned, um, railing against American businesses that's not carrying their phone. Specifically, he was talking about AT&T, Verizon, Sprint, that they're not carrying their phones. And that their phones are the best in the world and it's, you know, it's racist and it's bigotry and it's this and that. And that's why it's not being sold. And I thought, wow, this guy's passionate. So I kind of looked into it and I was like, oh, yeah, this is a company that you don't probably want to trust to begin with. Because um, a lot of the say-so in that company is the Chinese government. Do you, do you trust the Chinese government not to put spyware in your phone? I don't know if I do. Well, so here's the counterpoint to this particular story with Best Buy. Now, what's posited here is that, is that Best Buy came under pressure from regulators, perhaps the U.S. government, to not carry Huawei products. The thing is, is Huawei is, is a who? big – you know who they are. <laughs> you can't say it. They are a big company. They don't just sell phones. They don't just sell consumer electronics. It's a very small part of what they do. Actually, they're much, much bigger in the um, telecoms equipment that runs the mobile phone networks and the right. networking space. So the, the weird thing here is that I would argue if you want to spy on what's going on in another country, putting equipment into the uh, underlying background communications infrastructure of that country is a far better way of doing it. Yeah, it's more efficient, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, there have been concerns. I, I certainly believe in the UK, by, expressed by some um, politicians, of, of the use of Chinese equipment in the backbone networks that, that operate uh, our infrastructure here. Um, again, nothing's ever been proved. And I don't think we've gone as far as banning particular products from particular areas. But the, the issue is, is that even putting all of that to one side, suppose Huawei rebadged themselves tomorrow as, as, you know, the friendly corporate face of the Chinese secret services and really put it out there. Yeah. You know what? It doesn't matter. 
because you know where all of our electronics are manufactured? Mm-hmm. China. Yeah, yeah, there's some in India and there's some in Taiwan, but the bulk of it all comes from China. Yeah. yeah? So a lot of this I, I can't help feeling is a bit of a, of a scapegoating exercise, to be honest. You know, it's, I kind of get think, that impression of myself, I'll be honest with you, because yeah. how much stuff is manufactured in, in China? Why is this one company kind of being singled out by... Um, by Best Buy and all the other phone companies, it's kind yeah. of odd. It's and it's it's because effectively people want to send a message to the Chinese government, you know, to try and keep them in line. They're saying, "Look, if you're not careful, we won't buy your stuff." Which is bearing in mind the conversation we had at the beginning of the show is kind of bizarre and contrary that they're quite happy to allow the Chinese to flood the market with knockoff electronics and uh, copies of designer handbags. But uh, yeah, oh no, you can't sell, uh, you can't sell a phone that might have spyware in it. Right. Um, which is something that frankly is probably easier to check the provenance of than a knockoff um, Hermes handbag. But anyway, yeah, I, I think I can't help feeling that, that I, I don't believe that, Government policy is necessarily influenced by the hard facts. I think the current environment you have in the White House proves that beyond a shadow of a doubt. Um, and I, th- I think this is there's a little bit of political scapegoating here going on. And, um, you know, it probably sucks for Hawaii that they receive that scapegoating. Um, but, you know, there are, other, there are other Chinese companies who make phones. There's Xiaomi. There's loads of others. And they don't seem to get the same level of attention in terms of, being concerned that they're an instrument of the Chinese state. Right. And that's what uh, makes me wonder why it's this particular company that's kind of being singled out. I, I don't get it. I think that we're not, we don't know the whole story. Yeah. I think they're doing something or they've been caught doing something that's far worse than what we know about. That's the only thing I can think. That's the only thing that makes sense because otherwise it, it, the logic isn't there. Uh, well, I, I don't think it necessarily has to make sense, and I don't think yeah, it has to be logical, true. because political decisions often aren't. Um, I think they could literally be a scapegoat, so people are saying, look, we're, we're being tough with the Chinese. Um, but it could be as simple as that. The, the reality is that actually, um, if they're not sold through Best Buy, is that going to torpedo their chances in the U.S.? We've just been talking about how big Amazon is. Yeah, it I, will. I, because... I think brick and mortar stores and carrier backed phones is ultimately a dying thing anyway. Uh, yeah. So this this will slow Huawei down. I think if their phones are good enough and their product is good enough, they will still find routes to market in the US. And if it's really good enough, then they'll they'll continue to grow. Part of Huawei's problems is a little bit of sour grapes here because their phones are not the best. Um, they are often considered to be overpriced for what they are. So um, there's a little bit of uh, of kind of, you know, sour grapes coming from Huawei on this as well. But, you know, six or one half a dozen the other, I guess. Yeah. I was trying to find it. Have you been abducted by aliens or something? Yeah. I was trying to find something. <laughs> Yeah, here it is. I found okay. one. <laughs> I just want to make sure it's a clean one. All right. Um, yeah, I'm not finding anything. Let's let's pause this real quick. I want to look for okay. something. All right. So <laughs> uh, David pointed out a good uh, parody video that we're going to do for this next wiki trolling section. Um, this one, I don't know why it came to me, but I thought. It seems like we had talked about this before, but maybe we didn't. I know nope. we didn't do a, a wiki trolling, but I think we've talked about this subject in the past. Uh, and that is Clippy. You remember Clippy. He was everyone's favorite office assistant from uh, Microsoft Office. You, He was your buddy. So, yeah, he was, he was favorite as in the favorite thing we all love to hate. I couldn't believe the hatred that Clippy got as soon as it was released. Now, the idea sounds pretty good, David. And for those who are younger and, and may not remember this, because this was from 97 to 2003 that this was a thing. 
uh, you'd be doing something in your office document and a little paperclip would pop up on your screen and say, it looks like you're writing a letter. Would you like help? And then it would have options. Get help with writing the letter. Just yeah. type the letter without help and then don't show me this tip again. But the problem is if you click, click that, it would still come back. Well, this is, there's, there's two aspects to this. First of all, yeah, this was kind of the first iteration of what we now have with Siri and right. Google, yeah. Google Assistant and Cortana. But the thing is, this was with 90s technology, so it just didn't work very well. No, no, it wasn't. The, the parody video kind of has it talking to you, but actually it was all done via text. Yes. But it really it was, a, it was a dumb script, and it wasn't very good. And that's one of the reasons people hated it, because it didn't really help you unless you were you had literally never used a computer before. Uh, so it would come up and, you know, these, this is the 90s. Computers didn't have a lot of power. So it, it, you always got the impression with these, with these products that it was sat there sucking processing cycles and not really helping you at all. No, it was annoying. Yeah. And, um, and, and it was one of the early attempts of Microsoft to try and they, I, I remember reading that they, they found that a, a very high proportion of feature requests for new versions of Office were for features that were already in Office. Right. And this was part of a whole um, skew of technologies that they drove all the way through the 90s and the, and the 2000s to try and improve usability in Office. Which uh, is, in just, itself is a good idea. It's a good idea. It was just the execution was, was so bad. Not only was it, was, it, was it technically not great, the problem is it had this kind of air of um, patronization about it. And flippiness. Uh, it was really yeah. flip. Like, it looks like you're doing this. Go away. Yeah. I don't need your help. Did I go to the help menu? No. See, the problem The problem with the kind of the cutesy aspect to it, and we still find this today, series in particular can sometimes be annoyingly yes. smug and cute. Yes. Yeah. Those kind of program responses. Especially mine because I'm using the English accent on mine. Yeah. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure. Probably most appropriate there to treat treat you uh, yanks with disdain. Um, the 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 issue is is that is that you know if you're going to try and pretend to be intelligent and cute because let's face it you only get away with that if you actually know what you're talking about but you you're putting that into a product that isn't remotely intelligent then it, it makes it doubly annoying yeah and i think this was the real problem with clippy and and uh his and her friends they were a whole lot of i seem to remember there was a dog do you remember a dog ah oh, i kind of do there was one of the products where maybe it was in windows itself and the dog were kind of amble up to the screen and kind of come right to the front of this little tiny window and then start talking at you. And if you said, no, I don't want any help, it would kind of turn around that amble way with kind of this annoying slow swagger, kind of like, um, you know, like he was, like he was dissing you as he, so, as he went away. Like, Oh, so the you know, other so office assistants, here we go. Uh, the dot, it was a shape shifting, smiley faced red ball Hoverbot, which was a robot, the genius, a caricature of Albert Einstein, Office Logo, it's a jigsaw puzzle, uh, Mother Nature, which was a globe, Scribble, an origami-esque cat, Power Pup, a superhero dog, and Will, a caricature of William Shakespeare. And then in Office 2000, the Hoverbot, blah, 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 were replaced by F1, a robot, Lynx, a cat, and Rocky, a dog. Yeah. So let's let's quickly play this. It's It's about... It says five minutes, but I might stop it a, a little early. Uh, this was a Saturday Night parody <laughs> of Clippy. So here we go. Honey, I want to write a letter to Phil. Well, then write the letter to Phil, Cam. What the heck do I click? Microsoft Word. That means nothing to me. The big blue W. Okay, I see it. Go back to your riveting book, Ruth. Okay, dear Phil... Would you like some help with that? <laughs> Root, there is an annoying little cartoon man on my screen. Well, that's just the office assistant. You know, that. remember it used to be a paper clip, but now it's a push pin. Just ignore it. My name's Pushy. If you need me, just click the push pin on your toolbar. Bye! <laughs> okay, let's see here. Happy birthday, Phil.
you repeated Phil in two consecutive sentences. Did you mean to do that? Yes. Here's a hint. To avoid repeat proper nouns, try replacing your second Phil with a new word like Philly cheese, goof troop, or Captain Martinez. <laughs> How do I turn this guy off? I heard replace all fills with goof troop. Kablam! <laughs> what else can I assist you with? No, oh my gosh. Dear goof troop, happy birthday goof troop. What does that even mean? Looks like this is a birthday letter. Try sprucing it up with a fun border like balloons, <laughs> presents. You selected birthday cake man. <laughs> I did not select anything, you nitwit. Your border is in place. What else can I assist you with? Wrote this little red bastard is hijacking my letter. <laughs> I see your font is set to Times New Roman. Try giving your letter a festive feel with a fun font, like Lucina Grande, Scribble Party, Helvetica Bonham Carter. <laughs> you selected just boxes. Just boxes, Root! But just let me finish this page. What are you reading? Uh, well, Olivia Munn's book. Again? Your voice controls are on, and I heard the phrase Olivia Munn. Would you like to replace your letter with a full screen picture of Olivia Munn? <laughs> okay, kablam! <laughs> no, I just want to write a letter to my college buddy. Ruth, will you put down the darn book and assist me? Okay, it, you're so tense, Cam. I don't know. Just click help. Looks like you need help. Type what you need in the search bar, and Pushy will get right on it. <laughs> Disable Pushy. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's going to be like that. Shoot. Um, sorry, I just wasn't expecting this. Okay, uh, so just click on tools. Okay, now scroll down to Pushy. Okay, and in that sub-menu, there's Adjust Margins, Grammar and Spelling, and if you click Advanced Options, you'll see Murder Pushy. <laughs> so, uh, just click on that to end my life. Stay out of this, Ruth. <laughs> hey, real quick, Pushy would like to access iTunes. Kablam. Oopsie. I accidentally selected a picture of my daughter. <laughs> That's Nora. She's going to be a beautiful bride someday. Okay, I'm ready to be murdered now. <laughs> so voice controls are on. All you got to do is very clearly say, murder pushy. <laughs> Come on. Do it. What are you waiting for? Murder. Darn it, I can't do it. Fantastic. That's that's very good. But uh, it pretty much captures pretty much everything that's wrong with Clippy right there. It really does. Uh, you yeah. know, in, in in Microsoft's defense, and this is why they created it to begin with, there was a lot of features in Office that people would say, well, I wish it would do this. Well, it, it did do that. It was a very sophisticated, and remains, a very sophisticated Office suite. I mean, there's a reason that it outsells everything else, and it pretty much um, killed off all the major competitors in the 90s for the product. And people weren't getting the most out of it. They, and to this day, it's still an expensive product. Now it's a whole subscription thing, but it's expensive. It's um, very deep and complex. And people were asking for features that were already built into the last four or five versions so Microsoft wanted a way for people to be able to get more out of the product. That's very admirable. The problem is Clippy was terrible. <laughs> it, just, it was just uh, And, and I think, uh, you know, it demonstrates a theme with Microsoft. Even today, the best way to find out 
how to do certain things in the office products is not to use the inbuilt help system. It's no, to Google it's it. Google it. Yep. And I, I have to do this a lot for my job. And nine times out of 10, I find the answers on an independent office support blog where people talk about tips and tricks with office and that sort of thing. The, the inbuilt help is awful. It's awful. It, yeah, it's it's badly structured. It's hard to find things. The search doesn't work properly. And nine times out of ten, it doesn't clearly explain to you when you find the thing you want to do, actually how to do it properly. Um, and and I think this is a, a real issue with Microsoft products is that they are – um, uh, I think it's a problem with technology in general, and that's because the people who – write the software, write or creates the hardware, uh, are engineers, software engineer, hardware engineer. They're not the ones that you want to ask how to use something because they come at it with, um, from a different angle than the average user. Now, one of my roles many, many years ago was helping create a digital library for a big serial company. And one of my jobs was to teach the end user how to use a product. And I used to joke, well, my job is to uh, translate what the engineers say to something that the average user can actually understand and vice versa. Bring the problem to the engineers and explain what the problem is in a language they would understand, what the end user was actually trying to accomplish. With most hardware and software, the instruction manuals, the help guides are written by the engineering team. And there's a disconnect between the real world and what the engineers actually designed the system to do. Uh, I think it goes even further back than that. It's just the engineering team kind of engineer it in a way that makes sense to them as engineers. They don't involve use, you know, use and design consultants, user, user experience people exactly. who actually can understand how to make things surface and usable before the, before the features are, are designed in. Yep. So with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. David, thanks for being here this week. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure. So we'd love to get feedback from you guys. It's the show at techfanpodcast.com. Of course, you can always find us at either mymac.com, publishing since 19... 19- 95. We're very old now. <laughs> and uh, speaking of old, David, my wife and I had breakfast this morning mm-hmm. at a restaurant that I was a dish boy at 31 years ago. Yep. Oi. Oi. Um, <laughs> you can find, you can leave comments at mymac.com or techfanpodcast.com. And of course, we are at techfanpodcast on Twitter. Send us feedback. We'll read it right here on the show. We haven't got feedback in the last couple episodes. So, hey, Send us some stuff, guys. Yep. Right. Tell us tell us how you dealt with Clippy. And congratulations right at the end here to Guy and Gaz for the upcoming 700th episode of the MyMac Podcast. Congratulations, guys. Well done. Yeah. Great achievement. See you next week, David. See you then.